Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Hey, what's up going on, guys? Byron Rogers of Executive Protection Lifestyle here. I've got Ami Tobin, who's here with me of um, Highcom Security Services and Protection Circle. About to have a great conversation. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah. Nah, man. It's, it's, it's an honor. I've, uh, I've been following your stuff through protection circle and your blog for a while. So it was, you know, I've been reposting some of your stuff, learning from your stuff. So I'm glad, glad to have you on and, 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 you know, get the word out and share all the kind of cool stuff you've been doing. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. I think we only met maybe very briefly. Yeah. Post protection conference in Vegas um, in December, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been following you for a while as well. And it was really cool to, to finally see you in, uh, in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's funny with this digital space. Now yeah. you tend to like, you almost feel like, you know, someone, yeah. uh, before you know them, cause you see so much of them, if you're following them, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, it's cool. I, I, I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who say a lot of stuff about, you know, keeping touch online and, and being yeah. friends online and Facebook. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, you see somebody that you haven't seen in a while, and you don't really need, you can hit the ground running. You already are beyond the, Hey, what's been going on with you? I know what's been going on with you yeah. and vice versa. So uh, yeah, it's all good. 100%. Like I, I won't, um, if I really want to keep in touch with someone, it's like kind of more constructive to get their social media handles yeah. <laughs> than a phone number. You know what I mean? Cause like how often you can actually call the dude. Uh, so yeah, yeah brother. Um, all right. The first question uh, I love this question. I, I, I just always find it humorous because it's that moment in the security detail where like the other guys don't know your uh, background. They get a hold of you in like the CP or they get a hold of you in like the chase vehicle. And they're like, so man, what's your background? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, uh, it's, uh, I have a, a pretty varied kind of background. Um, for starters, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Israel. So I'm, uh, I suppose you can say Israeli background as you can here, my English is uh, at least half decent. I, I grew up bilingual in, in Israel. My parents are American Canadian. And um, so yeah, Israeli background. I grew up on a small kibbutz in Northern Israel, just South of the Lebanese border. Uh, so a uh, very lively area back in the seventies and eighties and nineties with uh, all the rockets we used to uh, get from our not so friendly neighbors up North in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Israel for the record. Yeah, I, I saw the picture. You've been there uh, a bunch of times. Yeah, I've been there. Over a, I've done over a dozen ops in and out of there. And it's like, like if there's a place 
I want to find an excuse or a way to like be yeah. operating or going to it's, it's always Israel. I love it. Yeah, man. I'm jealous. I, I, I get to go about once a year for a visit and uh, it looks like you, uh, I don't know, at least from the photos, it looks like you get to go there way more often than me. So I find yeah. some excuses, <laughs> some excuses, man. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, I grew up uh, on a kibbutz. Kibbutz is a farming commune for those who, who don't know. So I grew up on a farm you know, work in the fields, driving tractors, all that kind of stuff. And uh, IDF service, like everybody else, after, the, after, the, uh, after high school, uh, I became a tank commander in the IDF, uh, served in quite a few different arenas, uh, a bunch of training, uh, some uh, combat operations up in Lebanon, and uh, everything from the Golan Heights all the way down to the desert, uh, way, way down close to Eilat, which is uh, on the Egyptian uh, border down there. Give you a, a, an executive summary. So after, after the IDF, uh, I spent about four years living in Japan, pursuing a childhood dream uh, to study martial arts there. Uh, well, I got into martial arts uh, way back when I was 17 and just practiced whatever I could uh, any, anything I could from karate and Kung Fu and, and, and the, the special forces guys I would know from the IDF would teach me stuff. And of course, a lot of Krav Maga and, and everything, but, um, Japan, it was, um, my passion there was for Aikido and also for a stick, uh, stick fighting art, uh, a very traditional stick fighting art called Shinto Musoryu. And I spent about four years there, uh, practicing, uh, studying martial arts. Uh, then decided to move to the U.S. to mostly to get a university degree and then go back to Japan with the degree. And that part never worked out because I, I stayed put. And, uh, and the rest is pretty much what kind of I've been doing, uh, going to school. And during that time of getting into college, I got into the security industry uh, for a kind of a mixture of a, a good situation with a job for a student Plus living in the Bay Area back in uh, 2002, 2003, 2004, I really, really wanted to get into security, particularly to help the Jewish and Israeli communities here because it was a really, really crazy period. And there's just a lot of stuff, anti-Israeli stuff happening with the second uprising, uh, which kind of blended, at least in the Bay Area, blended really oddly with the anti-war movement and uh there there were i would go to see and photograph these massive massive protests against the iraq war and half of it would be just vile stuff against israel which it just seemed like what, what, what do we have to do with it leave us alone like we're not we're not yeah. we have nothing to do with that uh, but it was just getting really really nasty and uh it just i wanted to do something so wow I found the, this company called HICOM, HICOM Security Services, where I'm still there. I've been in HICOM for over 14 years now. And primarily what the company does, pretty much only did back then, but still uh, does uh, to a great extent now, is work with the Israeli and Jewish community here in the San Francisco Bay Area on Israeli methodologies of terrorist activity prevention that are... Uh, utilized in an environment that's very different from Israel. So that, that was just exactly what I was looking for. Yeah. Israeli methodologies for terrorist activity and prevention. 
Yeah. For terrorist activity prevention. Yeah. Prevention. Prevent okay. terrorist activity. So, wow. you know, it's kind of a loaded, it's it's kind of a pregnant statement because you right. got to unpack what that means. For starters, yeah. we are not in Israel here. So right. stuff cannot work the same way. We are in the mm-hmm. Bay Area. Uh, be it for straight up terrorist activity prevention or for just general hostile activity prevention and uh, preventive security, uh, it doesn't work the same. And I don't know if anybody, you know very well how things are, are, are done in Israel. Customer service is way down the food chain there. Efficiency uh, is way up. <laughs> yeah. And here it's obviously the reverse of that. So yeah. many things, be it with customer service or be it all together with your operations and with your capabilities uh, have to be modified for a very different environment here. Wow. I dig it, man. That's good to go. I like that. That's, that's, uh, that's an interesting background. So you were hanging out in Japan, just getting your blood sport on like we see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, that was a, a huge part of my life. It still is. I still do practice. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely was living it. I, I went to do that. That's the only thing I did. I only worked to make enough money to survive. And that's all I did there. Wow. Is there a certain style or discipline that really stands out to you? Yeah. So, I mean, Aikido was the thing that really, uh, really grabbed me. And I know a lot of people, particularly in the, in the security industry who are into anything that has to do with MMA kind of stuff or efficiency mm-hmm. and Krav Maga, I'm really into Krav Maga as well. Uh, Aikido really grabbed me for a number of reasons. I think you know, I've always had this sort of unconventional kind of mindset about stuff. Mm-hmm. And Aikido is very unconventional in the, in what it does and in, in its way of thinking. And a lot of people don't get me started on, on, on a lot of the misconceptions about Aikido, that it's not, yeah. not effective and that it's not useful. It's theoretical it's, martial arts. Exactly. <laughs> that it's, it's, it's just not a true way of looking at what Aikido is. Aikido is not supposed to give you techniques from class are not supposed to be techniques that are applied in that way in the field. So all those funny videos on YouTube of Aikido people getting their asses kicked are idiots who don't understand what the Aikido techniques are supposed to do. You don't apply it like you do in the class. It doesn't work that way. You're working on concepts that help you with other things. Uh, All the martial, most of the martial aspects of it have been stripped away because you're working on other things. And that's why for me personally, Aikido alone has never been enough. And I, I like to combine it with Krav Maga and with other hard arts that I've practiced because I do want the uh, practical application of self-defense. It's just Aikido is kind of like the theoretical physics of what's going on behind it. Uh, and uh-huh. I, it really, really elevates everything you do beyond just hand-to-hand self-defense it's it's everything so it's like a mindset like how do it's you a mindset and it's a physical set too because it affects everything you do in your life it affects how you move it affects how you think about things it 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 kind of gets in your blood after a certain yeah. uh, amount of time so you know i'll, I'll uh, you know it's something that just happened actually i was just on a detail yeah. um yeah. i was just on a detail um just a, what was it thursday Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a speaker come in, um, someone from the Obama administration. It was, uh, uh, doing a, sp- a, a book tour and, uh, you know, it's just, just a, 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 a middle-aged elderly 
lady. It was a very low risk kind of operation, mm-hmm. um, book signing and stuff after the onstage uh, performance and um, uh, onstage uh, conversation she had. And I'm on stage, uh, not too far from her. Uh, again, mm-hmm. this is a very low risk. There's there's no hostels or anything like that. Um, yeah. But she is she she finishes the thing and she walks to the backstage and there's a, a kind of a leg of something that's, that's protruding into, and she's going to, she's going to bump into it. So, you know, I'm just, mm-hmm. uh, ma'am, watch your step, ma'am, watch your step, ma'am. Yeah. She runs into it right into it. Both oh, feet no. goes into a full on face plant. Oh, which, no. Again, I mean, you don't need terrorists and stuff. You, you, you're like there so do. much more for that kind of stuff and the yeah. ability to not get confused and the ability to move really, really quickly and just grab her by grab her softly enough, but firmly enough to keep her from face planting on the stage Mm. uh, and to lift her up and to just continue going just very naturally, very quickly is something that it only, only a day later, I kind of thought of, I was like, you know what? I don't know if like a non-Aikido person could have done something that quick. It's just the movement to go in there and to catch somebody's, to catch somebody's center of gravity and right. to, and to get them not to drop them on the stage, but the other way around to make sure that they don't drop. To you understand know, the physics. On her way to LA, the books tour has to keep on going. And yeah. I mean, if she takes a face plant, that's, that's really, really bad. So like I, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's everything in life. It's not just, you know, you're up against the bigger guy and you got to take him down or something action like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Just to understand the mechanics and the physics behind. uh, And it gets in your blood. So the understanding just comes just like that. You don't even think about it. It's just lightning fast and it's over. Uh, And, and what you did had all of those mechanics going on in the same time, getting under their, their, uh, center of gravity and uh, and just kind of controlling what's happening with another person's body in an instant. So yeah, just stuff like that. Just interesting things like that. Yeah, no, that's valuable, man. That's ultra valuable. Okay, so in your career, do you have like um, a telling moment, uh, a crazy circumstance, or something like that that kind of got you into what you're doing? That was yeah. Like, I'll yeah. T- I'll tell you a story. Um, <clears throat> So I got, um, I got into security in 2004, only a few months after uh, I was working for HICOM. Uh, this is the end of 2004 or the beginning of 2005. There was a suicide bomb that went off on one of the buses in Jerusalem uh, back in the second intifada. And what they did to, uh, for Israeli public relations and to, to counter the narrative, the anti-Israeli narrative, is that they took that bus and, they, and they, they basically did a tour of it all around the U.S., I think not just in the U.S., uh, to show people physically what it looks like when a bus blows up and 15 people in there, I think, something like 15 people died in there, and to show people the, the real reality face of 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 yeah. terrorism and visceral, like reality yeah, you, you actually yeah. get to see the bus where oh, where, where it happened it's not just something yeah. on tv and yeah. so doing this tour and it's coming from berkeley and to san francisco and in my mind it's like okay you know a lot of people don't like israel but i mean who who can be 
who can actually support terrorism? Who can right. come out and say that they're supporting terrorism? Nobody. I mean, this is going to be fine, right? I mean, a lot of people might think it's distasteful or they don't agree with Israel, but what about what Israel does and all that kind of stuff? But like, no one will really oppose it, right? Yeah. Wrong. I mean, and particularly the the what? the w- way wrong. I mean, and and this what? is this is the, the the shock I really got. So we're doing this thing. We're. Uh, there's Berkeley PD. This is the, the, the first one in Berkeley. There's a good amount of Berkeley PD, but we're the only ones doing security. Free speech. They're not allowing us to do any uh, any perimeter. They're not allowing us to do any access control. It's a, it's a public park. And there's a lot of pro-Israeli supporters, but there are hundreds and hundreds of anti-Israeli uh, protesters. And of these people... I'm talking about hardcore Palestinians, not just people who are there with Palestinian flags. I'm talking about kafia head coverings, face coverings. I'm talking about ski masks. Yeah. I'm talking okay. about people who are chanting Allahu Akbar and Itbah al-Yahud, so kill the Jews and yeah. God is great and, and you'll be next and we're going to give you more buses like that and we wish all of you would die in buses. What? And like, Where is this? Yeah, this is in Berkeley. This is in downtown Berkeley. And, you know, for an Israel, I never even knew that, that, you know, Palestinians in ski masks, you know, yelling that kind of stuff out at me in Arabic would be something that would happen in the Bay Area. So that was just a few months after I started. And I was like, whoa, this is real. This is no joke here. I mean, this, there, there, there's some real poison. There's some real venom in here that's directed at the Jewish and Israeli community, that people want you dead. Um, And, you know, to be confronted with it uh, is really something. And at a certain point, they're, for the most part, held outside of that park, that Mm. uh, center square in in Berkeley. And PD wasn't really doing all that much to help us out because it was getting really, really ruckus. And at a certain point, dozens of them, a lot of them, all the guys with the face coverings and everything just starts running into the square, into where all the, towards the stage where all the Jews are, with all, all the Israelis and Jews are, and they're just running in there. And at that point, all the people, mostly the, the, the kind of hardcore, there's a, a lot of hardcore Jewish Russians in the Bay Area, they turn around and start running at the Palestinians and these two groups are just going in like some kind of medieval battle (laughs) hand to hand swords. And and it's me and another operator on the other side. And he gives me a look and I give him a look and he's like, go. And we just jump right in the middle of both of those. And it's just, you know, face covered Palestinians on one side and crazy, you know, enraged Russian Jews on the other. And we're just trying to, keep everybody from killing each other. And only then did some of the cops come in to try to kind of help. And as soon as a, one of the Palestinians swung, I think at one of the, uh, Russian Jew. one of the people on the Jewish side, but he hit a cop yeah. and, uh, yeah. whoops. And that was pretty much the end of that because more complicated. And, uh, <laughs> and then boom. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, and this is just a few months after I started working as a, like, wow, this is, is it real? Yeah, this is no joke here. This is uh, this is some real stuff going on here. Yeah, I um, man, that's crazy. I mean, I just <laughs> I did a I did a let's see, me and well, the last time 
I was in Israel, I was with Dottie when I did an episode with him as well a little bit earlier. Dottie Hanu, he's a great, he's a good friend. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, I watched that. That was a good one. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I thought it was a great one too, man. And he was, he was in Egypt for the revolution with a client. Oh, talk about an operation just taking a hard right on you. Golly, and one of the things I remember as he explained the situation to me in Israel uh, was just thinking like, man, like, you know, we protect people. You know, I protect people. I've protect people, protected people for the last decade. Uh, some of it's been theatric. Some of it's been just ego. They want a service. Yeah. There's no real threat. You know, some of them just don't want to be bothered. Some yeah. of them want to walk into the room with protection as a status symbol. Yeah. Some of them truly need protection. But with you guys, the situation there with terrorism and the domestic threat back here, it's real and it's been real. And it's, it's the, the need for security is constantly validated. And I just, I don't know, like I've always really respected that about you guys. And I've always really respected the, um, like the pragmatism you guys have, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the feelings, the political correctness can all go uh, fly a kite. And it's just like, no, this works. We do this this way because of this. And, um, for you guys, it's like a, it's been a survival thing. seems like more than anything else. Yeah. Now to be fair, I mean, we do also get particularly, um, later, you know, in later years after 2004, uh, we do get a fair amount of what's considered more on the conventional uh, side or, or more, not, not necessarily on the high stakes Israeli and Jewish uh, uh, terrorist activity prevention side. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us, we always have to, you know, we all have to have to see who, who, who the client is or what we're talking about, what, what the risk level is here. And once we, we, uh, it usually doesn't take long to, you know, because you know who the clients are, yeah. that if it's the Israeli government or if it's a prominent pro-Israeli or pro-Jewish uh, public affair committee or some, something around here that, that is um, really concerned with terrorism, okay, that it's going to be this kind of thing. And when it's something a little bit looser or Silicon Valley or, or something like that, it, it, it can in many, many times uh, be something a little less... Uh, yeah. Serious, yeah. Yeah, yeah, less serious. A different dynamic. Yeah. Sometimes it's not always about physical protection. Sometimes it's reputation. And sometimes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly, yeah, there's a lot of that going on, particularly when we get into the um, covert operations and surveillance detection where, where um, things need to be done covertly, not just necessarily because it's an operational necessity for the preventive effort, but because it's more of a public relations. We want the security. We don't want everybody to see that it's mm-hmm. there because people will get freaked out. Yeah. Stock prices, what have you, will we'll start get going crazy. So we just, we want it and we want to make it look like we don't have it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. At your core, who would you say you are? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a deep question. Yeah. I am a what? deeply... Yeah conflicted person, I guess, or ironic person. I, I have, uh, you know, I've, and I've always been like that, you know, I, yeah. living in Israel, speaking a large amount of times, more English than Hebrew, mm-hmm. hanging out with more people from outside of Israel than in Israel, moving to Japan and, and having a whole mishmash of a life and then coming here and doing this Israeli thing, but yeah. also this Japanese thing. And I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a big mix. I I think, um, you know, I look at a lot of people in the industry and, and it seems, 
it seems like for a lot of people, it's very straightforward. It's very easy. It's very simple. You know, you have a, say, for example, a, a U.S. Armed Forces to private sector uh, yeah. security. And I, I sometimes even kind of, you know, I'm jealous of people who have kind of a straightforward, straight line. I am, yeah. I am zigzagging all over the place. I, <laughs> everything, everything with me is comprised of just a, a million different things in different yeah. directions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Are there some deeper uh, values, in essence, that would confirm? Maybe a few values that you would say. I, I, you know what? I value truth, and you know what? Tr- truth is is a is a tricky subject because it's it's difficult to put your finger on it. But yeah. you know, I I try to find what is objectively true, not just subjectively true, and, and I try to base ideas particularly in the security industry. And there's a lot of stuff that I write about. And I really try to base, if you're going to make an objective truth claim, you have to base it on objective logic and, and, and evidence. Um, and I really value that. And I really value people who are more, who are, are truthful about, about where they come. It's not that they're, you know, it's okay to promote yourself. It's okay to do stuff. It, it's just, I really like the, the, the truth value of things where you don't mask it and you just, you, you say it straight and you, and you talk about what it's based on. And I, I yeah, yeah. That, that's a, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Just the, uh, the validation through like kind of the empirically valid yeah. <laughs> articles. Yeah. yeah. The more like you, you put the work into verify this truth rather than just speaking off of your experiential information and things like this and yeah you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I, and in our world now where anyone can get online and put an article together or yeah make some cool stuff on social media i think that's even to be able to think that way is extremely valuable to be able to look at something and use inductive or deductive reasoning to figure out whether or not yeah. it's like this is even worth my time yeah is, is going to protect you from a lot. It's extremely valuable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of what I try to do also, particularly in my writing, because that's, that's the, my main way of getting across is to do all that, but to also not be afraid to say things straight up. So for example, yeah. I, I have an article I'm, I'm, I'm about to, to put it out uh-huh. either today or tomorrow. It's just really about writing books. A lot of people ask me about my book surveillance zone and, and, and how I wrote it and and what's your process. And there's a lot of stuff out there, articles about your writing process and what it takes and what are all the mechanics for it and stuff. And I wanted to share some of the reality that most people don't talk about. Hmm. For example, how much is it going to cost you? How much did I pay? How many dollars of my own money did I pay? And how much did I make? And nobody really talks about that kind of stuff. No. You know what? Bullshit. I'll tell you exactly how much I paid. I tell, I'll tell you exactly what I did. I'll tell yeah. you exactly how much I made. I'll tell you all of that kind of stuff because I think it needs to be said. I think there's value in that. And I don't find any reason to kind of sit back and say, you know, talk about concepts or talk about this and you got to live the life. You know, no, yeah, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I'll share yeah. all the details with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And we'll leave the sizzle for the article, sir. <laughs> Look at it. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. But no, that article's dropping today. Go check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just check motivated me to, yeah, yeah. It's, it's either today or tomorrow. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I agree. I, I, I totally dig it, man. 
there's strength and vulnerability and honesty like that. I'm a truth seeker as well. And it can be a very lonely place sometimes. Yeah. And you can really upset a lot of people, you know, uh, but I feel so good and congruent when I can look in the mirror and be like, that's just what I genuinely believe based yeah. on what I think I know, you know? Yeah. And you'll ruffle some feathers. I yeah. honestly, I thought I would ruffle way more feathers. I thought yeah. my book would get me booted out of any conference or anything. Yeah. I thought that too, that everybody would get pissed off at me for writing it. And it turned yeah. out to be the exact opposite for every, for every one comment about why are you bullshitting? Why are you talking about it? Why are you doing this? There's been hundreds of positive ones. Um, yeah. I think if you, if you put yourself out there and you're honest in what you do and you, you yeah. have an honest voice about stuff, people, just in, immediately appreciate that and they immediately see it. And, uh, and yeah, you, it, it opens you up a little bit. It makes you more vulnerable, but that's exactly what people appreciate that you're really honest with them and you trust them. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And I think you probably, and, and I think also you tap into like a deep reservoir of truth, probably that like they've been thinking or wanting to know or feeling, but no one said it yet. You know yeah, I mean? or they're afraid to say it exactly. and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, and like I, like I often, I, I said it in the book, I say it in, 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 in articles as well. I'm, I am not, I've never been the best out there. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm just the guy who takes the time to write and be honest about it. You know, yeah. a lot of people who, who might not feel comfortable saying it, I'm just saying it, you know, and, and, I, and I think there's value in that. And I particularly, and I know there is because I get, from all the feedback I get from everybody about it. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm right there with you, man. I'm like, yeah. I, I think it's episode one. I'm like, I'm not doing this cause I'm the biggest, the baddest, the best. Yeah. I'm just, I just want to contribute you know? yeah. <laughs> and learn. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, that's the main thing. Like, I'm just not afraid to put myself out there. Yeah. Take some balls. Yeah, absolutely. But, it does. You know, yeah. Man, I, yeah. I'm usually the shortest guy in the detail, only five ten. <laughs> but uh, in some details, but yeah, yeah, no, it's like it's 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 just being willing to get in the ring, man. I love that stuff. That's what's yeah. up. Um, is there something specifically uh, that you took away from your time with the IDF? Yeah, that's you know what that's also no. a really tough one because yeah. you know I, I could talk about all the stuff that is uh, I don't want to say more obvious of of what the military teaches you yeah. to do of what the military mostly teaches you about yourself yeah and and uh, you know the the self reliance and the strength that you have more than you thought you have and yeah. uh, that it it doesn't it doesn't have to necessarily come out on a regular basis, but when it needs to come out, it's yeah. there. And I've had enough situations, uh, say like the story with the, the, that I gave about the, the bombed out bus and, and that crazy yeah. situation. I have to say that was absolutely terrifying jumping in there. I mean, yeah. you don't know what's gonna happen. And you know, it, it's anything from, from stuff like that to dealing with medical things um, mm. or other kind of, kinds of emergencies. But, you know, just like I said, like, you know, I, I'm, there's a lot of internal conflicts going on in my head as well. I also learned a great deal uh, from my time in the IDF about stuff like that, about mm -hmm. you know, experiences in Lebanon, experiences. And I, I wrote 
again, I, I hate to repeat myself. I wrote, I wrote uh, an article about that as well. I, I keep referring to my articles because I think That's I'm a brain. better writer than a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, you're going to get a lot better of a version of it if, if you read rather than and listen to me yap about it. But oh, yeah? okay. a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the conflicts, a lot of the things that I thought back then and later in life, you realize you shouldn't be all that sure that that's what actually was going on and that the picture and the narrative you were getting back then and what you were doing was, you know, there's, it's just, it's a very, very strange kind of experience to look back and to see that not everything. And again, I'm trying to be honest and even vulnerable here in a sense that not every single thing was as awesome as I thought it was. And Mm. some of the stuff that was going on, you know, um, again, I, I, maybe I shouldn't get into too, too much details, but, but not, you know, some of the stuff wasn't all that great. Mm -hmm. And, and that it's the best and worst times of your life. Yeah. There's no question about that. And there's no question about the value, but I, I think there's also value in talking and being honest about some of the, the less than perfect things that you got out of it. Yeah. More understanding. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And I agree with that. I love that perspective to be able to look back uh, on everything and to be able to be kind of like, and to see it sober, soberly. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of hoorah when you're 19 yeah. and you're going into battle and stuff. And then you think back and and then in a wider context, and it's like, wow, that was a crazy be not what I thought it was for all those years. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I, with, especially with my time in the Marine Corps, like I just had a number of experiences that kind of disenchanted me, but also brought me closer to reality and then helped me operate from a place of being just much more, what am I really here for? Yeah. What am I really here for then? Makes you a bit more skeptical. Yeah. That's the right kind of questions. Like what is it? And again, going to that truth idea of what is this based on? Wait, what's the the reason and the evidence behind what we're doing here? What's the rationale? Yeah. 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 And that, and thinking that way and kind of waking up from that kind of like just ignorance was very good for me because yeah. then it destabilized and translated, it translated into various areas of my life. And I believe it caused me to become my own person much more quickly, you know, because that cognitive dissonance that comes from being like, yeah, oh, we're here doing this and that, you know, I mean, I, I, I can be honest with you. I had this Iraqi, we're like in this dude's living room and, um, I just remember being like, he's like, we are better off under Saddam. You guys are ruining everything. You were like, da 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 da. And he's like, yelling at us. And I'm like, like in my little like programming, I'm like, Saddam's the bad guy. (laughs) I'm like, we're we're giving you freedom. I said something like this to him. And he looked at me like, are you serious? (laughs) Like he looked at me like, you believe that he was like, you ruin everything. He's like, you go back to California. They come in here, take my daughter, chop my head off. Da 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 da. You will yeah. be back in California. He's like freedom. And 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 my programming <laughs> at that point was just like, uh. and I remember just being like, maybe I don't understand all the dynamics. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's easy to also it's easy to turn around and 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 yeah. start accusing that person of being ungrateful and all that. But yeah. you should think about what what that means. I mean, there's no it's usually not black or white, you know, there's usually uh, a lot more to it than that, but it is, it is very useful, you know, like that, that 
what is that uh, saying goes that everybody, you know, anybody can be fooled and the easiest person to fool is yourself. Yeah. You know, it, it teaches you to kind of get outside of yourself a little bit and look mm -hmm. at things a little bit more dispassionately to see, am I right about what I think? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is yeah. good. Cause then it, you know, it goes into all the different areas and you, yeah. and, and I think you arrive at a higher level of consciousness because you get told a line of reasoning and then you start being like, Hmm, Hmm. Let me do my own homework. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know, like, yeah. Let's, let's check a couple sources, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what were your big takeaways from Japan? Uh, anything wow, that stands out? Like, cause I mean, you went into a whole nother culture. Yeah. I mean, you socially had to survive a whole nother culture. I mean, it's a whole, it's yeah. It's a whole other world. I, I just buried myself in it. I, yeah. that's all I did, I, you know, I didn't do, I didn't know about anything else. I didn't, I didn't look into news or politics or anything. I was just completely, completely, utterly fanatically committed to what yeah. I did. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I, at, a, at, at my age now in my forties, you know, I, I usually kind of talk against, explain against, you know, any form of fanaticism that you, you, that's not right. That's not balanced, mm -hmm. but you know, in your early mid twenties, uh, I think there's value in that because you yeah. learn a lot about yourself and about life and to really, really put yourself into something. And yeah, I mean, it has changed everything about me. It's changed. It's changed the way I move and walk and think. Mm. And, and to again, with deeply into that, the way you did. Yeah. And, you know, both with martial arts, but also just immersively in J Japan feels like home to me. And I know it seems it sounds odd to people who haven't lived there that yeah. I'm not the only foreigner, like non-Japanese person to live in Japan and then to just feel at home in Japan. It's just the weirdest thing because it's so different. But once once you know the language and once you're comfortable with it, it just, it envelops you in a way. Mm. It's very, very strange. I, I can't explain it really, but it, that that's a, a huge takeaway that I didn't even expect to yeah. have a second home like that. That's so beautiful, man. I honestly, I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a past life thing, a blood thing, whatever. I'm a Christian, but whatever. I don't know what it is, but uh, I've heard as I've traveled, you know, and been all over the world, Certain guys will say that about certain countries. Yeah. For me, it's like, it's Israel, man. Yeah, like yeah. when I'm on the road into Jerusalem, there's this gas station you pass. And like, I just feel, oh my God, <laughs> yeah, I love, like, I want to call that place home, man. I love yeah. it. Um, and I, and you just have a connection to a culture, I feel. And like, it's, it's even seems like it's an energetic thing. Yeah. Um, but I feel, I under, I feel like I understand you because I have that same connection. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting just to, to, to conflict the conflict. Yeah. Even though I try to be a rational person about everything, it's yeah. like, I, I can't explain everything. And that, that's yeah. one. And I'm perfectly fine with that thing still uh -huh. being some kind of beautiful mystery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite quote, mantra, saying? I don't. Or two you know, or three. <laughs> I, I know that a lot of people do. I've yeah. tried on pretty much everything I could, I could find. Yeah. I, I have never found anything that stuck with me for long enough mm -hmm. that I would say that that's mine. I, I think my shtick uh -huh. is that I don't have one, 
that okay. that I that I adopt what works and I and I look at at like a, a wide range of things that I like. Um, so you're Bruce Lee in this right here. <laughs> way of no way. You said, you said it. I didn't say it. Yeah. I, I love it. That's yeah. what, it's beautiful. It's awesome. What's yours, by the way? Let me ask. Let me I, turn I it around. Honestly, when you said that and you were like, I don't really have one. I was sitting here listening to you. I was like, yo, bro. <laughs> and I was like, and then the little voice in my head was like, ah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I have a few that I love that are in and out of my life. You know, nothing will bring you closer to destruction than comfort is something that I say on a regular basis. Hmm. Bruce Lee, absorb what is useful, disregard what's useless and add what's essentially your own. I, I find that I love doing that. I feel like I can learn anything from anyone. You put me in a room. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. If they're, they're a bomb, a crackhead, I don't care. I'll probably sit there and... Just the the uh, synergy of another human experience. I believe there's something anyone can take from that. Yeah, um, yeah. that's uh, a good one. I I'm I'm totally on board. On board. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there that, that one kind of sometimes gets reduced to you have two ears and one mouth, so you should do yeah. and talking. I always thought that you know one of my my I don't know if, if somebody came up with it or if it's mm. just me kind of thinking about it. That anytime you have a conversation, say two people, so like you and me having a conversation you're essentially exchanging information. And mm-hmm. if you look at an exchange of information, you reduce it. It's not right. It, it exactly a, a perfect analogy, but if you look at it yeah. as like a, a buying and selling kind of situation, wow. if you're doing more of the talking, then you're giving more, which is good. I mean, if you want to give more, you want to help people and, and you have stuff to give them, that's good. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you want to also receive a good amount, then you should be more quiet and let them give you what they have. And even if what they have is you think is completely wrong, you're still getting information from that because you're getting, you're getting a wrong perspective. You know, it's wrong, it's wrong. And it's coming from here. So maybe that you can diagnose it being like this and that you, you learn something from everything, from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure that the balance is right. If you want it to be that you don't talk more than you listen, because then you're, you have a deficit. Yeah. You're losing out in the engagement. Exactly. Of. Unless again, unless you're there to uh, yeah. help other people. And then, and then obviously that that's the point of it. Yeah. Yeah. Situation dictating. Yeah. yeah. Now that's good stuff. I agree. 100%. What would you say getting into now the private security stuff? Uh-huh. So over your career, what standout lessons do you have about what you do in private security? Hmm. Standout lessons. I think maybe figuring things out on your, on your own is, is a big one. Huge. Uh, of, oh. of, yeah, you learn, you've learned and you trained, but now how's it going to be? So like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like a good analogy would be swimming, you know, you, yeah. You, you go through, okay, you know, this is the freestyle, and it, but, but it's not the same when you jump in the pool. And it's perfectly okay. And I always uh, discover, at least on my, from myself, that, wow, this is, this is different, and so is this. And, and the, the experience of it is different. And in my mind, and what got me into a lot of the writing is like, why doesn't anybody talk about this part of it? Because damn, that was like, nobody, nobody told me about this. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That's like a huge part of what's going on here. So yeah, learn, you know, be conscious to, 
to what the experience is. And don't, don't try to force the training onto the situation. Try to, try to adapt it and then learn from the situation what might not have necessarily been covered by the training. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, for, it, <clears throat> for any walk of life, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's because yeah. you have your ideas and you have your theories and things like that, but yeah. until it's validated by, you know, your experience and in the situation you're in, <laughs> you know, because situation dictates tactics. And yeah. Things. Like say, uh, like say, say the story with, with what happened in Berkeley with the bus and it's yeah. like, well, security, I mean, we're going to have to put a perimeter. We're going to have to do access control. Guess again, no perimeter, no access yeah. control. Go. I was like, well, that's crazy. What are we supposed to do? You're supposed to do your best. Now go out and do your best. It's like, yeah. What am I? Yeah. You, you do, do, do it as best you can. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, for like, especially for guys out there having to figure things out or new guys, look, I, I agree 100%. Sometimes it's better for you to figure it out because then you become intimate with the problem and you also gain more self-reliance through that process. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think figuring things out is one of the most, how should I say, one of the most valuable things, opportunities that we're ever given in life. I think this whole thing's about figuring stuff out. Yeah. And it's up to you to do it too. I mean, you can shut it off and not figure anything out if you don't yeah. want to, but that's, that's why people like us recommend, Oh no, never, ever shut it off. Always, always stay, keep thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no, absolutely. That's awesome advice. Um, what would you say to new guys who would want to do what you do and get into the private security industry? You know what? That's, that's another tough one because there's so many different ways to get into it. I think training is a good one. Uh, even if you don't necessarily need the training, yeah, uh, because you know better. Oh, fair enough. I'm not, you know, I'm not. Show me that you know better. You know, if yeah. you come to if you come to, to a company like Highcom, and everybody who comes to Highcom, I'll give you a little, has to go through at least you know, there's the hiring process, and then they go through a three to four hour session with me, where we go over security concepts. Awesome. Um, we talk about terrorist activity prevention. We talk about um, uh, a lot of different things and applications. And we, I've, I've been doing this for, for almost a decade and a half and everybody's gone through me. And mm. it's very interesting to see people who are open and people who are not open to yeah. see. people who have amazing backgrounds, people who know way, way, way more than me, mm -hmm. but can sit and can understand that I can't know that they know more than me. So show me, show me that you have the discipline, show me that you, that you can engage, show me that you can be polite, show me that you can be respectful, because if you can't be respectful to me at this point, how are you gonna be respectful to my client when they start barking at you, right? Yeah. So and the heat gets turned up. Yeah, exactly. So, so <clears throat> you have to go in this in a humble way, even if you know better, you, you, you have to show it. You have to, uh, and, and I don't mean, you know, show off that you know better because that's not going to get you hired. You have no. to show that you're capable. The, a training, at least uh, the one, the, the type I'm talking about is not just me delivering information to you. I'm judging how people are when they receive it. I'm judging and looking at how they accept it. And yeah. can they accept it, particularly the ones who already have a good amount of experience? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're only showing me that you know better and you're bored, then I'm not putting you in front of my client. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Yeah. If you can't be respectful to a security professional 
who might not be as good as you are. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how much more disrespectful are you going to be to a client when they start barking at you? So there, there's, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. And I would recommend going in with that mindset. Yeah. I find it so interesting because it seems like at the genesis of what you're talking about is a character issue. You know what I mean? It's a character issue because like we can teach someone anything tactically if they're at a certain level of intelligence, but the character issues are the true friction point and they really dictate a man's success, a woman's success in this game. It seems like, you know, like you're, 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 you're interacting with them and someone, you know, your ex, whatever career, you've got more experience than me. Blah, blah, blah. And then the other dynamic is when you get to a detail, there's going to be professional at that detail. Yeah. That has the information you need to survive in that detail. Yeah. The client likes green Skittles. If you bring them the blue Skittle, I mean, whatever it is, but like relative to that environment, this is your, your, like your, your duty professional. This is your guy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I agree with you. That's, that's great advice. You know, like you got to go in with your cup half empty and then, you know, like that ego, that character issue that you were talking about is it's a killer. It yeah. is a killer. Yeah. And I've, I've, I think the people I respect the most are the ones who, you know, they have a real, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, military, special forces, intelligence, yeah. uh, uh, agencies, uh, uh, counterterrorism, whatever, like huge backgrounds that come. Yeah. And, and they go through, and I know, I've seen their resumes and I, I know, no, and, and I trust that the person knows, but for somebody like that to sit in a session mm-hmm. for hours and say, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I thought that, you, you know, you did that really well and that was really good and there's really good information. And, and, you know, we chat about it a little bit and it's like, yeah, you know, of course, and I want to kind of learn a little bit from them as well. Yeah. Uh, but someone like that versus someone who sits and kind of like, you know, this, this guy, whatever. I, I know all this kind of stuff. It's uh, like, it doesn't, you know, what do you, it's not okay. It's yeah. Not because okay. again, we're like, we're judging the character. I don't know how to teach character. I yes. I used to try and I used to talk about it a lot. Yeah. I I've given up. I, I don't, yeah. I have not managed to find a way to teach that you either have it or you don't. Yeah. You're talking about some deep stuff. I think life teaches you character yeah. because, and then, and, and I think you're either at a certain place in your development and your maturity to have it because you probably don't have it because you don't see the value in it yet. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been yeah. humbled yet, or you haven't been, you know, the tools you've used, you think are the best tools for navigating reality. And, and so the, what I always say is like, I can teach you tactics. I don't want to be anywhere near you when you have to learn character. I don't want my company to have anything to do with you while you have to learn these lessons. Yeah. Uh, I love you. God bless you. But, uh, you give me a guy that doesn't have any experience, but I know I can trust him and he's got, he's humble and he's wanting to learn and he's, you know, he's going to make mistakes, but he's really going to focus on trying not to make yeah. things like that. I love that guy, man. Yeah. Those are great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I always give people the the kind of disclaimer that look, most yeah. people in the world can't do this kind of stuff. They're just not wired for it. And that's, that's yeah. fine. You know, mm-hmm. none of my personal friends outside of HICOM can yeah. do that kind of work. And that, and that's perfectly okay. You know, they're superstars and other stuff that I'd like to be a superstar in, but they're not yeah. wired for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know how to teach somebody how to wire their head to be able to, 
to do that. You know, customer service is a big one where I, I, I always explain and talk about how everybody understands when you explain to them about politeness and hospitality and about the need to be polite to somebody who might be disrespecting you and your face. Yeah. Get the concept, you understand, but can you still do it? Not sitting comfortably, but out there and you're yeah. tired and you're frustrated and you're annoyed and it's a high threat situation and now go, now smile. Can you still do it? And yeah. a lot of people are like, ah, they can't do it, you know? Yeah, man, no, it's, like, it's that Morpheus, knowing the path and walking the path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. completely different things, man. Yeah. I know I shouldn't have those cookies late at night, but I want the cookies late at night, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, man, that's, and, and it, once again, it comes back to character, man. Have you done the reps in real life to be able to have that character to, you know, make those plays, treat the client the way that you should, treat the court, the royal court around the client the way that they, you know, need to be treated even yeah. sometimes, even though they don't like on paper rate, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But you still got to have that social intelligence, that character. Awesome. What do you enjoy least about private security? Hmm. <clears throat> There's a lot of stuff to, to not necessarily enjoy. I guess maybe the, the more frustrating stuff that doesn't necessarily count or mean much. And maybe that has to do with uh, participating and being in, in enough operations where there's really important stuff happening and there's real risk here. Yeah. Uh, again, mostly on the, the uh, Israeli uh, and Jewish uh, side and to go through something that uh, might a not have been all that pleasant and b made absolutely no difference. Uh, and there was no real meaning to it yeah. uh, is not my favorite. There are worse things in the world. You know, that, that is just one of the things that comes to mind of like, not everything matters and that's okay. It, yeah. It's good that the stakes aren't that high with yeah. every single thing we do. Uh, but yeah, that, that might not be my, one of my favorites parts of it yeah it can be painful yeah i know exactly what you're talking about man yeah. i um uh you find yourself doing things sometimes that i mean the way i reconcile it is i i, I try to think like you know because i've had i guess you could say i've had clients you know require things or make me do things and i'm like you don't need to be doing this like you're killed like right now does yeah. this need to be happening you know like yeah and or you know what, or, or to, 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 to continue that line, I guess, yeah. I mean, you, you can f always find almost always, I guess, I, uh, if you can find the value, then that's good. Say, for example, that, that little thing we did on, on Thursday, I mean, risk level so low, do, do yeah. we really need five of us to be <laughs> here on this detail? Yeah. And yet you find that you saved a speaker from face planning on the stage on their huge book. Yeah. Boom. Value. There's always, there's always something to be found. Uh, not, not always. I guess I, I dislike the ones where it's like, you know what? It was nothing. There was no point to that. That was just complete, utter window dressing. Yeah. Window dressing. <laughs> yeah. no, I dig it. I love the mental alchemy of it because that will make life easier yeah. and more, more pleasurable. Yeah. Um, and then I also love the sometimes reality. You just got to accept it for what it is. Yeah. Try to enjoy it. Look forward to dinner, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. Um, but uh, that's funny. No, I agree. And, and I, that's been a friction point as well. You know, and I sometimes will just be like, you know what? It's just the relationship. It's important to the client. It's important to yeah. me. Here we go. I'm just glad that this 
you know, fortifies my relationship with them. I'm giving them something they want. Yeah. You know what, then, then that's, that's, that's actually a really valid point. That's, uh, that's that's very true. Yeah. Still the friction's there, man. I definitely dig what you're saying. Yeah. What would you say you love most about the private security industry? What you do? I guess making that difference, you know, of, of really being there in the right time in the right place and making that difference. Um, a lot of people think of that difference being, some kind of reactive action packed kind of something that you saved somebody from something. Um, Yeah, that, that's definitely a kind of difference you can, you can, you can make and it's more uh, thrilling and straightforward, but, but there's also a big difference you can make with, with preparation, Uh, planning with preparation, with good advance, uh, uh, getting somebody out, making something really, really slick and smooth and reducing the friction and reducing the, the, the threat level. Mm and, and that's just when, when you complete something like that and you get like a surgical result, yeah. it could be really, really satisfying to, to, to produce that. You know, we have a, uh, if we have a client that, uh, again, I have uh, probably a lot of stories about stuff like this where yeah, the, the client is really concerned about something and we can't completely prevent it. Uh, say another, another one of the things that I've, I've also kind of written about is a uh, big political um, organization that had a Palestinian student that was going to to come and join a, a very anti that organization had to do with the Jewish Israeli community. And they're very, very concerned about him coming. And it's like, well, don't invite him. Don't let him in. We're not going to let him in. No, no, no. We have to for public relations uh, purposes. But I mean, there's protesters on the outside he's part of the organization protesting and they're going to let him in. And is he going to prop open a door and let protest like what's going to happen? What's going to happen? So, you know, you have a, a covert element outside with the protesters to make sure that nobody's collecting Intel on the outside, that there isn't any kind of situation like that. He comes in, we screen him very, very well. And then have, I was involved in the, the uh, covert, internal element to make sure that he doesn't disrupt or that he doesn't prop open a door or something like that. We do have situations like this in some events, and we do have people who disrupt political events, and they have to be very quickly escorted out of the venue. But when you when you can plan something in advance and get really, really precise about that and get tell your client, we, we got you back, you're back, you're, nothing's going to happen here, everything's going to yeah. be fine. And you make sure that that, that indeed is the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And I think for me, I, I, I love because I love this question because I hear protectors be kind of, we all kind of say the same types of things, not the same types of things. We really don't. But the principles are are almost always there. Mm. That for us, it's so much of it is like, almost like we weren't even there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's like, creating this organic safe environment <laughs> yeah. that we move a client in and out of a situation and it's like, we weren't even there or yeah. nothing. This, the smoothness and safeness um, is just there. And that is really for a protector that just emerges very often as the highlight. And everyone thinks yeah. it's like when uh, I stopped a knife attack with my, you know, whatever. Nah, man, it's like yeah. literally every mission that is like, you know, I stopped or, and, and the thing is in our industry, you could be, I mean, not literally, but like there's times when you're staring at King Kong coming down the street and you disarm the thing and you get it all, 
you know, like something catastrophic. Like I was on with uh, Barry Amosian of uh, Talon Executive Services yesterday. He's telling me a story uh, about him being proned out in Mexico (laughs) and they got guns and they're trying to, you know, rob them, plant guns on these guys. And he's sitting there and he's got his clients, you know, the caravan, they're, they're, they're coming in their up armored suburbans and he's just sitting there. But by the time the clients get to him, uh, and he tells it on the podcast is why it's okay for me to tell you. By the time the clients get to him, you know, their their law enforcement assets have shown up, everything's packed back up, and they're just standing there with the federalities, yeah. <laughs> waving them through, cut them to the front of the line. The clients are like, wow, you guys did great. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, they're like, thank you. You know, that's uh it's when we do our jobs and literally it's just smooth and nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when also when it, when it meshes really well with uh, protective intelligence, mm-hmm. there's stuff that's collected uh, protective intelligence wise covertly or from open sources or from something like surveillance detection, or if it's just some kind of uh, something that comes up information that comes up from advanced work, mm-hmm. advance a venue before, but this prior knowledge and the ability to get really surgical and mm-hmm. how smooth things go. And people think it's like, wow, these guys are smooth. This is like magic. How do you, you just show up and, and boom, everything's said, so, no, you have no idea how much work went into this. Exactly. It's like, yeah, but I love it that it looks that way because you're like an illusionist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't see the 50,000 times I had to rehearse that till, it, till I got it right. But yeah. still the, the ability to impress somebody not just anybody, but, you know, somebody who counts and, and a client is, is, uh, is a really great feeling. Boom. Check it out, guys. You've been listening to the first half of a two-part episode. We got after it, and I just thought it was best if I clipped this one into two parts. So stay tuned and come back and check us out. I may drop it next week or I may drop it after a little bit. So just stay in the loop and we'll get you the second half of this awesome interview out. Boom, and to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. And if you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, you know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up 
and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.